Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week, we are reviewing Slow Bear by Anthony Neal Smith. Now, this one is a, is a novella. It's a short one, so I feel like we had a breezy week of reading. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit less than challenging lately. Yeah, so um, uh, speaking of breezy... I know Rob is going to absolutely <laughs> love this. Here's the bio for Neil Smith, who I feel like maybe he's listened to Booked and taken a little bit of advice on a bio. I write crime novels. I'm a professor of English at Southwest Minnesota State University. Everything in that bio is true. Yeah, and 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 well put. <laughs> like a nice, concise bio. I didn't. He didn't even mention his dog. He didn't, and that was—I think—that was a focus of, um, of earlier bios. Uh, I think I even Herman, right, is the name of right, his dog. Yes, and and I, I'm pulling that from memory from like 2013, probably. So, yeah. Um, yeah. by the way, the about the author is uh, is a little more like um like a like maybe his previous bio and does include Herman. In, okay. In the bio. Yeah. See, so, I knew yeah. that dog. Not only did that dog make it into his bio, that dog was the focus of an entire story that Anthony Neal Smith told Mm -hmm. in a live reading that we did. So this guy was seriously like focused on, I think we sent him swag one time and he sent a photo of that dog like chewing on it or something. I don't remember that, but it's certainly, (laughs) certainly possible. So props, props for uh, exhibiting restraint, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, I get to take on the synopsis, which A, is about 10 times longer, and B, is about half the size of the actual synopsis that you see on Amazon, which is where I got this from. Um, Because somehow, I guess, not to start off with a criticism, but the the synopsis on Amazon um, is kind of smashed together with like four or five author... Um, uh, uh, like recommendations or whatever blurbs almost. Yeah. Um, and then there's the spacing is all off and everything. So I did a few things to save it, um, for the sake of the podcast. The service is available through our Patreon, by the way, if you need Rob to trim up your synopsis or your bio, um, hit us up for a custom rate through yeah. Patreon. And it's one of those, like the first taste is free kind of, kind of situations. <laughs> Yeah, so go back and listen to someone <laughs> where we already edited your bio for you. Yeah. If you like that, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up, and then it's that's then that's going to cost you. All right, so the synopsis for Slow Bear. In the oil fields of North Dakota, times were good during the boom. Some people got rich. Santana the Exile certainly did. A lot of other people got jobs. A lot of bars and strip joints got busy. Then the boom times ended, and everything slowly crumbled back to the red dust from which it was built. Micah, Slow Bear, Cross, used to be a reservation cop. He wasn't good at it, but he was good at being bad at it. The one time he tried to be a good cop, he got his whole left arm shot off. Now he sits around the casino all day flirting with Kylie, the lady barmaid, and giving people advice on their problems in exchange for some chips. Casino chips. I had to make that little... Like, potato chips would be weird, right? I mean... Not no, not sure. a good not a good trade off. So it's casino chips. Then in one bad day, he's beaten up, banished, and given an assignment: frame Santana the exile. But Santana is into some really bad things. And if Slow Bear thought life had been rough so far, it's about to get a whole lot worse for him, for Kylie, and anybody who stands in the way 
of a one-armed man on a mission. This is noir at its deepest, at its most savage, at its most vital, from an acknowledged modern master of the genre. That was really hard for me to get through. Um, you did a wonderful job. After <laughs> after editing, you did a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah. I'm just guessing. I'm predicting. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it sounds terrific. I don't. Nobody understands what you're talking about. <laughs> um, fairly accurate synopsis. I think I have any real issues with it. I'm not sure about the framing part versus the like reporting back. Uh, anyway, maybe we'll get into sure. that while we talk about it. So yeah, it uh, this all kicks off um, in a casino where we'll refer to him as Slow Bear. Micah, the protagonist, um, is sitting around drinking, and he's immediately approached by a guy who uh, is looking for advice. And his question is, "I've been having sex with this married woman who's a wife of one of our or one of the the people from the casino. I shouldn't say coworkers; he doesn't work there, but." Um, you know, like, like, what do I do? Essentially, you know, he, he's just looking for advice. He's been hooking up with a married woman and he's fallen in love. And that's where we see this, you know, kind of odd exchange where, you know, some, some chips, some casino chips are passed, um, over in exchange for words of wisdom. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying to put myself in a situation where I go to ask for advice and pay somebody. And I, I don't know that that exists for me, but I guess if there was a guy who was known for that. So if everybody knew that Jesse gave the best advice, but in exchange, you know, whatever, you, you'd push him, you know, 20 bucks in casino chips or something like maybe that would change my mind a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get the feeling it's more of like a, at the risk of sound. This is not racist. I'm prefacing. It's 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 just yeah. It's I a mean, general... when you say this, is, when you say this is not racist, <laughs> that always means it's clearly not racist. It's a colloquialism. Uh, it's more of an ear to the ground kind of thing. Like this person knows what's going on and like kind of you know has the lay of the land kind of thing. Ear to the ground because this takes place on an, a res- Indian reservation, like that kind of thing. I didn't want it to sound racist. It's just it's a colloquialism, whether it's racist or not. That's not my fault. That's not you know what I'm saying. It's right. not, I'm not like, gotcha. this isn't the Confederate flag. I'm just saying a thing. Um, <laughs> but I got the feeling it was kind of that, like this guy just kind of has, he's in the know. So if like people are looking to like figure out what's going on, they're going to talk to this dude. Yeah. So, uh, this, uh, leads into a situation without giving too much away, um, where something goes down. And Micah Slowbear is put in a position um, where, where he doesn't really have an option uh, of how to get his way out of a, how to work his way out of a jam, so to speak. And that's a little bit alluded to in the in the synopsis um, about him being banished and given an assignment. Something goes down that causes the police to have some leverage on him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, if you step back and look at it, it's kind of like the, if there was a template for making a noir noir story, like, the first thing you have to do is, the guy's already down, but now he's in a, and he's, he's in a position where he doesn't have any bargaining chips, and he's got to do um, what the people who are putting pressure on him say, um, but with the promise of, hey, the sun will come out tomorrow, you know, if you do the stuff that we we tell you to, 
So even if even if it's stuff that kind of goes contrary to like a moral compass, which is not the case in this situation, or or just a general like thing he doesn't want to do, this is the situation he's put in, and it launches him in the direction of whatever happens in the story. So you could say that like the inciting action of this of this story happens in the first like I don't know thirty pages. It launches him mm-hmm. on his trajectory like right away. Yep. Um, briefly joining him on that trajectory via the form of a ride is Kylie, um, who's mentioned again in the synopsis. She is the bartender at the casino and someone that has a friendly relationship with Slow Bear. Uh, bordering on there might be potential hookup, uh, potential, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Potential hookup ability. Like, <laughs> it, like it's clearly on both of their minds that this is something that could go down, but like they haven't acted on it. But she gets dragged in, and again, this is where we're really getting into the meat of the story, but she gets dragged into this situation where um, something goes down. And Slow Bear has to work within the the constraints of (laughs) the criminal world (laughs) in order to help his his friend. (laughs) And that's the thing about this book. Like, it follows, like, pretty standard beats of, like, a noir uh, uh, story. And so uh, like he's, he fills it in very, very well with like the, the unique characteristics of the book and the characters that he's using, but there's not a whole lot we can tell you about without like already wandering into spoilers. But, uh, from there, so, uh, they get into some shit and then it's just basically, um, the, the focus of the book is, uh, slow bear and his process of trying to get himself back um, up from like being underwater, like the entire book, like there's always shit beating him down the whole time. And so he's just, he's kind of just like punching his way to an exit almost is the way I feel about it. Like something bad will happen. And then he just like brute forces his way back to just like even, even playing field. Or, or at least like to like where he could catch a breath, right? Um, sort of. Like I, I agree by and large with like the framework that you set up there. Except, um, one of the things I really liked, and you know, we talk a little bit more about the characters. The characters really won me over in this book. So, the thing I liked about Slow Bear is, um, he he doesn't have a special set of skills. Um, he's a one-armed guy. He's not like an MMA fighter. You know what I mean? So through some of these situations, it's not always wit or strength or whatever. You know what I mean? There's like an element of luck that, you know yeah. what I mean, that plays along. So I feel like from a realism standpoint, you or I could be put in this situation and, and maybe get by in the same way that he did. Like I didn't feel that he was specially equipped to deal right. with any of these situations. He is just an average guy and, and he's handicapped at that. Like he only has one arm. So even though he was a cop, um, he's at a significant disadvantage, you know, let's say in a fist fight or whatever, you know what I mean? So like, I, I really liked that aspect of him really kind of being the everyman mm-hmm. going up against this, this criminal element. Yeah. And uh, to back that up, I will say that, <laughs> He finds himself in situations that are just not un, not favorable favorable to himself, and in those situations, the the solution that he arrives at 
I'm like, yeah, that's probably what I would have kind of gotten to because he's not given, he's almost never given, uh, many options. And when he is given options, they're never good ones. Like it's never something where he's like, yeah, I could really work with this. So it's just, we've seen it a lot in, in, you know, crime fiction to kind of expand the, the genre a little bit. Right. But it's, you know, I've only got four bullets in the gun. There's yeah. five guys, and somehow I can kill all five of them with the four bullets. Like, that's not this kind of book. Like, it's it's very down-to-earth mm-hmm. and, and, and realistic and, and um, kind of what I call, like, when I'm talking about, like, a fighting movie. So I'll, I'll give you an example. You've got um, – uh, shit, now I can't think of his name. Who was the guy that got his start in the Lethal Weapon? Jet Li? Right, Jet Li is oh, like that yeah. high action, you know, like yeah. like over the top fight scenes. Or you have, and I know I just brought up on the episode last week, but the the one of the best fight scenes of all time in my book is from the movie Old Boy, which is a slow thud fight scene, meaning that all the punches, like nobody gets knocked out by a punch or a kick. You know what I mean? It's that like very realistic right. kind of you know. So this is like slow thud crime, not. John Wick, and I, and I like that about the book. <laughs> yeah, he. If there's one thing that, um, and and to a little history of, of us and Anthony Neil Smith, uh, when we first launched the podcast, uh, Yellow Medicine was, I think, the fourth book that we. Hang on, I can reference it right now. One, two, three, four, fifth book that we <laughs> we reviewed. I'm looking at a bookshelf. It's got it on there. Fifth book that we reviewed. And then, you know, maybe four or five books later, we reviewed another one by Smith. And then, like, you know, over the years, you know, a couple more. Um, and and so we've read a few books on the podcast. And I know Livius is much more familiar with his, his catalog outside the podcast. Um, he doesn't advantage his protagonists <laughs> much yes. at all. Yeah, that's very accurate. Yep. So it's an uphill battle practically the whole time. Um, and it's more, and like, sometimes it comes down to stubbornness. Like I could die right now, but fuck you. And that's why I'm not going to die. Like sometimes it comes down to that. Like it's just one minor thing that is, is the thin thread that's holding it from like all falling apart. Um, so the, the, the protagonists often don't have much going for them or much in their favor, um, which is, is wholly, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the bigger things of the, the noir genre is like these aren't heroes, but it's who we have to read about. Yeah, I'm actually glad that you said that. I was kind of going to tie this into my wrap up, but I'll, I'll say it now. Um, Micah is he? He reminded me a lot of Billy Lafitte, who's my my favorite character in all of the <laughs> books that I've read from from Neil Smith. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of ex cop down and out does does the bad thing sometimes does the right thing sometimes and and i think that's one of the things that really kind of drew me to this book there are some other characters that are worth mentioning kyle kylie who is the casino bartender that winds up uh, kind of tied up in this bullshit uh, through no fault of her own other than just being friendly and nice i think it's um you know involved in in something that's way above her her head um I liked her. She felt very real. You know, I mean, she, you know, again, someone who's just kind of along for the ride and gets thrown into a situation. Um, I liked the villains. I, I, they were a little, you know, <laughs> cookie cutter a little bit, but 
just enough that I found him enjoyable. I actually really liked it. So there's um, Santana, who's the, you know, we'll say the head bad guy. That's the guy that that Micah sent to infiltrate his organization. Um, but I really liked Manfred, who was like the bodyguard and like number one um, or number two to, to Santana. Uh, he just seemed like a pretty down earth guy that's just doing his job. His job is just crime. Right. He's a criminal. Yeah, but I, I, I liked him. He, he, <laughs> he you, you know what I mean? Like he was just kind of like, like there are times where he's just like, look, slow bear, just fucking just do what you're supposed to do. Like stop fucking around. You know, it wasn't always like this threat of violence. There was something to him that reminded me of like somebody you would work with that's just trying to steer you in the right direction. <laughs> like only the direction is crime in this case. That's a good point. Cause like, if you think about like a good, a good contrast to the Manfred character would be like any villain in like a matrix movie where like they're super bondaged out and they have like some sort of weird, like they're too cool kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and also they're criminals. Like this dude's just like, he's punching a clock as a criminal yeah. yep. and you could tell he's just like, I've seen this so many times and just honestly, I'm telling you just do the crime. Like he's got that kind of just, yeah, I know, I know how this goes you, kind of thing. Did you watch breaking bad? No. All right. He reminds me of, I think his name is Mike in breaking bad. And not that I think he was based on that, but that was another guy who was just like, I've been doing this shit a long time. Just fucking act right. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't always this over-the-top, like, you do this, like, gun pulled to your head all the time kind of situation. Poor right. that's a guy like, look, we just got to get through this shit, so just act right. Right. Look, you know I have to cut your finger off. That's where we're at, you know, yep. in this situation. Yeah. Let me cut your finger off so we can all go home. I've got some Totino's it's, pizza rolls. Yep. That's right. Yep. <laughs> just unglamorous. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, and then the other, the other characters, I just felt like everybody was not overwritten, I guess is the way, like they're all just really plain kind of basic people, um, you know, kind of getting by in life. And, and, and I was really endeared by the characters. Like I liked the story, but the characters really sold this one for me. See, and I'm kind of on the fence about that one because I feel like some characters were, well leaned into while others were like kind of almost what you said with Manfred, but you didn't say it in a bad way, but I felt like some of the characters were just like caricatures almost of like what that type of person would be. And ex- I, I think a good example would be the Santana character. Um, You know, he's a bad guy and he just does bad guy stuff and he says bad guy stuff, but there's really not much like depth to him, but also, mm-hmm. This book is like 125 pages, so yeah. not really going to like, I don't know how much I can count that against him with the time we have with the characters. Yeah. Yep. I'm not, so. I, I agree with you. I think, I think that's a fair point. Sure. There's not a lot else to say, man. This book's 130 pages total. Um, I, you know, so I don't think we're going any farther. I do want to address the cover. Um, this is probably one of the coolest covers I've seen on a book in a while. I like it. I mean, it's got a very Native American kind of look to it, right? Mm-hmm. So it says slow yeah. bear, and it's a picture of, like, two very stylized bear faces um, with, like, bear paw, like, the claw parts of the paws yeah. uh, above it. Yeah. Almost, almost a, and, and again, no no pun intended, but almost like the tribal design of tattoos. <laughs> 
Yeah, and no, I, gotta I, mean, no I agree. It's like, it's like, yeah, but but they're very clearly bears with a with the the just the just the claw part of a paw above them. I I really like the cover. Yeah, I'm looking really quick. I don't see specific credits for the cover, but it could just be because I'm looking really fast. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely good cover for sure. Um, I think that's going to take us into wrap ups, and I am going to let you go first on this one. Um, all right, so I've had Neil Smith in the past. We've re- we've read some of his books. So as far as like the noir feel and the uh, the moral flexibility of the protagonist and um, the the depths of crime that we're that we're you know probably likely to see in the book, I was pretty prepared for that. I know more or less what Neil Smith is going to bring to the table. And that's exactly what this book was. Um, Because, like I said before, it's like 125, 126 pages, something like that. I didn't expect too much depth out of the story because it's just difficult to pull off in such a small amount of time. So uh, I think the strong suits of this book are that Neil Smith just knows how to fucking write noir. He knows what the protagonist is supposed to be like. He knows how to spend time with... Um, your antagonists, you know, your evil characters, he knows how to create the, the conflict and he knows how to just keep beating the shit out of the protagonist. And I think that's the real strong suit of this book is that he knows the beats of noir so well that like, that's exactly what this is. So if you come to this book knowing more or less what this style of book is going to give you, he delivers big time. So... I think that's really the kind of the strength of the book. Uh, with that comes some limitations. So some people might not like some of the content of this book. It gets, it doesn't get, here's what I'll say. I was a little surprised that it wasn't raunchier uh, and, and darker and dirtier um, than it, than it was. Um, but that being said, I don't know how big of an audience this can reach just because of the limitations of what a really gritty crime noir type thing um, delivers. So I had to ding it a little bit on that. Um, and the other thing is, uh, with the, the, the amount of space that he had, he didn't really have a lot of places to go with plot other than like the typical beats you would expect from a story like this. Um, and and I won't go into what really dinged the plot aspect for me is, but I will say that some things that happened in the ending of the book dinged plot for me because, um, it kind of revealed things that I was a little disappointed in. Um, and so I apologize that I can't say, hey, this is what I, I disagree with at the book. But since we're not doing spoilers, you're going to have to live with that. All things said, going on our new rating system, and this is the third book that we're doing on our rating system. Out of 10, overall, my score for this book is 7.5. This reminds me of um, Neil Smith. That's earlier work, um, which I liked quite a bit. So I know we talked a little bit about Yellow Medicine, but there's the drummer and other stuff he did earlier, some of his short stories. And um, I, I think this is really where he shines. I mean, I really like Triple X Seamus, um, which, let's face it, was probably fits in the same genre, but was a, a little a lot more fucked up than, than this one. So I know what you're saying about thinking it was going to be darker than it is. Um, I went a little different. I think my audience score is higher because it didn't. Um, how do I say this without sounding? I, 
this book i'm all right i'm looking at the book um <laughs> dark humor menace mayhem um is one of the blurbs uh if you always wonder what jim rockford would be like if you went full dark slow bear is the book for you um, I've seen some other things that it wasn't as dark as I expected. And that's um, partially due to his tone. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting something that was kind of over the top dark and dreary. And and I didn't get that. So I think it's not marketed um, properly in the way that I think it it sells itself as darker than it is. So if I was looking at how are we marketing this to an audience, my score would probably be lower. I think that could anybody pick this up and read it? Yeah. I didn't think there was really anything in there that would turn somebody off significantly. Um, and that's to the book's uh, benefit. So to, to the author's benefit, I guess um, all in all, I like the story. It's a, it's a quick, fun, noir read. This is like I said, where Neil Smith shines in my opinion. That's not to say that his more like in-depth stuff um, isn't as good. I just think this is this is where he's great, and this is this is the Neil Smith that uh, that I fell in love with many years ago. Um, it's the one I'd love to continue seeing. My um, score just a little bit higher in the system there after looking at it all. It's uh it's going to be eight out of ten for me. So you see it as like a quick and easy like noir banger kind of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And I guess I was maybe emphasizing more of my negative thoughts, but like, if you look at my individual, like points, points that I give it, you know, eight, nine, eight, eight, nine, there's a lot of like higher points in this. So, mm-hmm. um, I definitely did rate a lot of it high. Um, there was just a couple things I dinged it for. So I agree. Like, and I've enjoyed all the Neil Smith that I've read. So, um, it's not a surprise that this one rates, you know, on the higher side of the scale for us because, um, when it comes to writing the stuff that like this, I think he's, that's exactly what he, he does best. All right. We're going to move away from Neil's book and I'm just going to talk about a book. Cause I mentioned, I think on the last episode that, um, I'm going to read 52 books this year, which didn't sound as challenging when I said it as I realized it's going to be. So, um, Rob, <laughs> I completed my first book and I know we talked about it, um, a little bit on the last episode, so I'm not gonna pretend you don't know what it is, but just today I finished if on a winter's night, a traveler by Italo Calvino. Um, he is an Italian author. It's been dead since 1985. This book was written in 1979 and there are times, man, and there are probably going to be more times on this podcast where I'm going to be pissed that we didn't read this together. Oh, boy. to talk about this is this is one of those times i am so conflicted in how i feel about this book so i'm going to try to to muddle through it a little bit um feel free to interject and ask questions um if you want um this book is potentially and listen to the whole statement before i said this might be the best book that i've read that i didn't enjoy as much as the quality of the book demands does that make sense <laughs> yeah i know what you're talking about so the, like so I'll, I'll just go back to the old star system for for a second right i i would say like this is a five-star book that i enjoyed at a three-star level is probably like the most concise way that i can say how i feel wow. about it <clears throat> it's weird because this book will stay with me i can tell you for the rest of my life i will not forget this book and some things from this book um, 
it is not for a broad audience. Um, I think that the people that would most benefit from, notice I didn't say enjoy, I said benefit from <laughs> reading this book, <laughs> um, are is so not the casual reader for sure. I think writers should all, all read this book. Um, and I think the people who are passionate about books and stories should read this book. I don't typically think of myself as someone that's passionate about stories and books, but sometimes reading a book like this reminds me that I that I really am, that I'll argue with people over a fucking piece of fiction and like canon and stupid things like that um, because I'm very passionate about it. This book, um, postmodern, is the fucking genre, right? So I had to do a little bit of digging to like figure out where this book fit. It's postmodern because the book is completely self-aware. So I'll give you like a brief kind of synopsis of how this book goes. You are the main character in this book. It alternates chapters between numbers and names of chapters. If the chapter is a number, it's about you, the person who is reading this book. The chapter names are different books that you are reading parts of through the course of the book. So here's kind of the setup. You go into a bookstore, you buy a book by this new author, you get home, you start reading it, you get 25 pages in or whatever, and you find out that you cannot complete the rest of the book. There has been an error in the printing and or binding of this book. So you go back to the bookstore where the bookstore clerk is already very aware of this because you're not the first person. And he talks about how the covers were switched and there was a production error and you should take this other book. This is the complete book. And you start reading a different book, which also stops you right as it starts to get interesting. So 30 pages in, I'm making up numbers now. Your course through the book is that you just want to read this book and you will go to great lengths to try and do so. Um, it touches on people in the publishing industry, in the production aspect of books, but it's a book that tells you a lot about being a reader, about being a lover of stories, and, and about the, the art and creation of stories. And it does those things so well that it's probably in, I don't know, man, like 15, 20 best books I've ever read. Although I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I did the other 19 on that list. So I think it's an important book, but I think that you have to have very specific personality type to get through it and say that you enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it, um, but it's not like, it's not a story I'm going to reflect on. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking at the bookshelf and I see the starless sea. That's also a book about stories mm -hmm. that was super, super enjoyable, not easy, but really enjoyable. This was not, but there's so much good information in this book. And there's so many things that you can identify yourself in the words inside this book that I think it's important for those two types of people to read it. So writers should all read it. And people who are very, very passionate about stories should read it too. Man, I should have read it then. Dude, I'm telling you, if you want to, if you want to take a swing at it, it, it's really like the book feels a lot longer than it is. It's listed at 278 pages. I, I bought it on Kindle. It's cheap too. If you guys want Kindle copy, it's 350 on Kindle. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good information in this book and, and I'll, I'll give you an example and, and I'm kind of like, I didn't make a note or whatever of it. Like there's um in the first book that you, the character in the book are reading, like there's a part where, you know, you see a woman 
and she's got her back turned to you and she's got a fur collar and uh, whatever. She's got brown hair or whatever. But at that point, it's like you're reading the story through your own lens. So like, you know, and the book tells you that, you know, that this person is important because you haven't seen her face and it's the only face you haven't seen. <laughs> Dude, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it gives you like the structure of why the scene is built out that way. It gives you the roadmap as to why this is interesting to you as the reader. That's which I think is just just fascinating. Yep. Hmm. That being said, you know that at ten parts in that book, there are ten separate books that you try. You know that you come across during during your journey. The tough part is you crack this open and you go, <clears throat> "All right, this isn't a short story that you're reading. It's the beginning of a story, and you know it's going to end. So it's really hard to get vested within that story, if that makes sense." Because it takes you prepared for it, yeah. Well, yeah, it takes you to the point, and in in most of them, he did it just right. Like you're getting towards the end, you're like, "Ooh, this this is really getting interesting," and then that's it; it's done. Like there's no resolution. Yeah, so it's that's why I said it's really tough to stay with it, because you're like, "I'm now I'm going to read 20 pages of stuff that isn't central to the story. It's Mm. just the beginning of another story in multiple genres. It covers a, a diverse, you know, range of genres. So, but Man, I will say that I will be reading another, at least one more Italo Calvino book. I'm going to try to find something that's a little more, um, you know, narrative from him to, to read in, in one of my other, we'll call off-booked um, books. Oh, I like your little title that you got in our notes, Lives Lunch Reads. Yeah, Lives Lunch Reads. Yep. That's yeah. I finished it today over, uh, well, it was actually after I was done eating a couple of hot dogs. I was sitting in my car reading the last, like, 15 pages. But yeah, that was uh, that was my first non-booked, off-booked book of 2020. You better fucking pick it up because we're six weeks into the year and you've read four books. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. So well aware, well aware. Just saying, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage <laughs> right now. The good news is, in looking at our list, oh my god, <laughs> we've already got like I don't know what like would we decide twenty. 20- four books scheduled there's yeah for anybody who like not counting the books we've already reviewed this year we have 22 more books already listed um uh uh, that we're gonna read or we're gonna try and read this year yeah so that's that's half my list yeah that's insane like if you think about it like that's more books than we read in the entire year of 2017 (laughs) well and 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 here's the thing for listeners so we are booked uh solid essentially from march 10th through the end of july yeah that's this lazy summer of podcasting gone yeah um there are two gap weeks in there and those may or may not stay gaps for long right so those might be interludes or or whatever and then it really thins out in the in the last you know in the the whatever late second half of the year um but i'm sure that'll fill up too as more books get released and yeah. So um, anyway, there is a lot coming up. I, I, I get the feeling we're going to do 35 books this year. Yeah. And that's not even to, like I touched off this whole thing last week. I, I sent out a bunch of correspondences about upcoming books and stuff like that. And all of a sudden we're like scrambling to schedule all of these interviews with authors um, because dumbass me was like, yeah, we'd like to interview them, too. And then everybody's like, yeah, let's have you interview them. And so now I feel like this is going to be a year for like an increase in interviews as well. So um, it's just going to be, I feel like this is going to be a pretty packed year with content. Not a lot of uh, interludes 
um, floating about. No, and I I want to say that um, without because we don't have anything scheduled solid, but we have some very very likely. I am super excited about at least two or three people that are mm-hmm. going to be interviewed on this podcast that we have not had on before, and that's not counting. I see a couple that are likely repeats that I'm really excited about too. Yeah. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. I feel like it's going to be a good year. <sighs> Me too. Me too, my friend. Uh, I'd like to kind of take a, a, a peek in the opposite direction, though, and talk about the past a little bit. Um, okay. I was inspired uh, recently, and then I took action actually just today, uh, because something that we read a long time ago uh, was adapted into a movie that's been available for a little bit, and I've known about it, but I haven't checked it out. But right before we sat down to uh, record this, I watched it. So if we if we take a trip in the way back machine to January twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen, <laughs> that's like five. That's over five years ago. We did an interlude episode where we talked about a this is horror uh, novella chapbook um, called The Visible Filth by Nathan Ballingrid. Um That got adapted into a movie called Wounds, uh, which is available. I watched it on Hulu and it's about, it's like a feature length regular movie, but I don't know how much you remember, Livius, about the story. I'll drop a basic synopsis for the listeners who maybe don't remember to that specific episode five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which I would hope would be everybody. Um, here's what here's what I remember while you're looking for that. It was fucking graphic. Oh my that's god, that's what I remember. <laughs> that's what I remember about <laughs> it. So the general idea is this guy is a bartender. The protagonist is a bartender, and uh, the night that the story kicks off, the night that you know we 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 start to read, uh, there's there's a, a mix of people in the bar, and there's a fight that goes down. And there's these college students there that may or may not be underage. It's kind of ambiguous. Um, when, when the fight goes down and shit goes crazy, they take off. But they accidentally, or maybe not accidentally, leave a cell phone behind. So our main character picks up the phone and uh, kind of forgets that he's got it. The next day while he's at home, the phone starts receiving text messages that are a little concerning. Like talking about how like the, the whoever's sending it is freaked out about something and his response texts are basically like, Hey, I'm the bartender, you left your phone, come pick it up. Uh from there, things just get weirder, and the more he interacts with the phone and the people and the weird shit that's going on with those people, just the worse it gets. And um I would call this it's got that kind of interaction with with internet kind of horror feel to it because there's like you go to a website and you click on a video and then suddenly you don't realize two hours have passed where you've been watching a video that's just like looking down a tunnel like that kind of a feel to it um that's every fucking night for me man (laughs) and it's youtube yeah uh but then it's so it's got that kind of like lovecraftian like um uh, like ancient evil kind of feel to it as well. And just tons of cockroaches, tons of cockroaches. <laughs> I remember cockroaches. Oh my God. So uh, I, I would say that like considering it's, it looks like a, a, like a lower budget 
film. Like not eh, maybe it's like a little step above indie because it's got Dakota Johnson in it, who was in Fifty Shades of Grey. She was like the protagonist or the the main character. Really, Don, Don Johnson's daughter. Oh, yeah. Don Johnson and Goldie Hawn's daughter, Dakota Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from Fifty Grey. So she's like she's a name. She's a big like when this movie was made. She's a name. And apparently, like, the main dude is also kind of a well-known actor as well. So, like, they have real talent, but it's not a big Hollywood film. Uh, but that being considered, it's really well executed. And the internet stuff, like, the graphics that they invent and stuff for, like, showing you how texts arrive and stuff uh, is really well done. But, man, the story is just one of those, just, like, creeping, ugly like suspenseful terror kind of things where like, it's just going to get uglier and worse and grosser. Like the way things like as things go on, but just in the best way possible. So I really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear that. That's been on my, uh, on my list for, for a little bit and you know exactly how many movies I watch. So uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Now I did try watching Dr. Sleep. Um, and, uh, at least half that title hit me right away, and I think I saw about 15 minutes before I fell asleep. <laughs> so uh, I've gotten oh, Danny no. Torrance is still a child, and uh, I don't know how long that goes on for. <laughs> but that's where I'm at in the movie. You are just an old man. Well, the problem is I, I will only put on movies like fair when I say fairly late, like I get up at <laughs> six o'clock to go to work. So I, I usually don't put on movies till like after 10. <laughs> so depending on, on the situation, there's a good chance that by 1030. <laughs> oh. oh, my God, you're killing me. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, I'm uh, I, 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 I liked what I saw ah, the 12 minutes or so. <laughs> Um, so I, I will add wounds to, to my list, which means my my movies. Now I have three movies on my list, and they're all recommended by you. That's, That's unusual. Wounds, wounds, Rambo: Last Blood, and um, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, wounds. I, I definitely recommend. And like, it's kind of cool to see that something that was just like a friend of ours pu- chose to publish five years ago is now something that like anybody can watch you know and it's actually gathering some uh, some acclaim and stuff and it has like well-known people attached to it i think that's really cool yeah and i mean we we've we've seen now um well at least a couple so frank bills donnie brook was made into a movie as well yep um you know so there's there's the Obviously potential bird out box. there for well bird box kind of on a different <laughs> level and bird box was also i don't remember who published donnie brook bird box was a big five FSG for our Strauss and Giroux was uh, right. Yeah. So even, yeah. So how do I say this? Like, even if it's not a big five book, there's that potential. So I don't know that Nathan Balagrud is rolling around in thousand dollar bills right now for what he sold the rights for or whatever, (laughs) but it's got to be really rewarding um, to be able to see your, you know, the, 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 the visual adaptation of your baby. So I'm um, happy for, for Mr. Ballingrude. And if, if this is, else. if I hadn't sold it already, I'm going to tell you that if you liked the adaptation of Jeremy Robert Johnson's when Susurus stirs, <laughs> 
yeah like the 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 tone of 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 wounds mm-hmm. like kind of fits into that level but maybe a little bit more mainstreamed out um yeah like so if you like that i'm sure you would probably enjoy this too interesting can i talk about what's coming up next uh, i think you should yeah i'm gonna do this less enthusiastically than i normally do <laughs> apparently <clears throat> i look <clears throat> I know that that every year we very quietly declared a winner for Patreon picks, uh, which has been Jesse and Misty's Patreon picks for the last, what, three years now, four years? Yeah, it's been a bit, yeah. I will tell you that I've not read either of the books, but (laughs) after only 15 pages into our first Patreon pick of 2020, I have already declared a winner. Misty Bennett, you are the winner. Of the 2020 Patreon pick. <laughs> um, I feel that Jesse did this in a vengeful manner. Um, we are reading another Scottish book. Based <laughs> on the first 15 pages, I'm going to assume... Oh, also, by the way, the exact same effect that Dr. Sleep had on me. I made it 15 pages. <laughs> <clears throat> before I woke up, you know, head on the cover, you know, dents in my face. Um, a completely Scottish teenage porn book i guess is probably the best way to so it's called the sopranos no relation to the hbo show um by alan warner it's from july of 2010 was at least when the paperback was released uh 1998 i think is the original publishing so yeah it's 20 um 20 years old right 22 years old whatever Mm -hmm. um it's written in that scottish dialect like you're cruising along fine that somebody talks and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Cause it also has the distinction of being all will Christopher bear and not using any, um, quotation marks. <laughs> oh, no. oh boy. There will be five main characters, no quotation marks, Scottish dialect. I predict a nightmare. So I'm going to tell you, Rob, I would start now if I were you and <laughs> not wait. Uh, I am going to uh, give everyone the synopsis in case you want to pick it up and read it because it's a uh, readily available. Oh, there's no full edition of this. That's a little weird. Hmm. As the choir from Our Lady of Perpetual Sucker for Girls in rural Scotland is bussed into the big city to participate in the national singing finals, five of the teenage school girls let loose for a night of pub crawling, shoplifting, and body piercing. And since a nuclear submarine has just anchored in the bay, the local nightclub will be full of sailors on leave. After a bout of preparatory drinking, the girls are ready for their big night, and what a night it will become. An outrageous tale of adolescent debauchery. The Sopranos opens the lid on desire and excess in all its grim glory. All I can say is I feel like <laughs> I'm missing out on some of the desire and grim glory and all that due to a language barrier. I'm, I'm all about the grim glory. Here's what I'll say uh, in Jesse's favor. Um, because he knows that we're collecting all the books that we are uh, uh, reviewing, he sent me a first UK hardcover edition of the book. He so. also sent me a copy. I did not look at the thing, but uh, that was very nice of him, by the way. Which, by the way, is if you are at the level where you pick picture, I'm, we're happy to buy our get our own obtain our own copies of books. So, but thank you, oh. Jesse. It was very nice of <laughs> you. That being said, um, I know what this is. This is because Misty keeps beating you, 
and now you're just leaning into being the the um the heel right yeah yeah exactly so well i think me specifically i don't think so much you i think this is directed at me um well i mean time will tell do you want to talk about the other patreon one or we want to bring that up later on um yeah we already have our second uh and only so far um patreon pick right so there's only the two yeah um Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, which we reviewed Blake Crouch, which was yeah, also a Patreon pick last year. And Missy felt Missy like she did. You? Yeah, she yeah. she chose Recursion by Blake Crouch. and, and But it was also timely because it came out last year. But uh, we liked it so much that I feel like she was like, well, I can do this again. I, honestly, I believe that it came down to she really enjoyed Dark Matter. And that's what inspired her to read Recursion. So she's like, well, why don't we just do the book that started it all that's that's kind of the feeling i get feel like dark matter was also recommended to us by craig clevenger probably that dude that dude knows his stuff yeah so um <laughs> totally looking forward to that one by the way which will be <laughs> the following week so that'll be a barring unforeseen circumstance uh the two weeks from now will be dark matter which means we still have a few slots available if you want to get on the patreon and contribute at the level at which you get to pick a book, which ten, Rob books. ten bucks a month. There you go, ten bucks a month. You get to pick a book, and you get to choose if you're going to review it with us. I think Jesse um, wanted to bypass uh, my anger, so he's not going to be joining <laughs> us. Yeah, not only did he choose the book um, that maybe you weren't going to love too much, but he decided to not help you with any of the heavy lifting. So yeah. Uh, my understanding is Misty will be joining us. So uh, very enthusiastically, yes, she will. Excellent. Yeah, that's the next couple of weeks. Then I think we're probably going to take a break because <laughs> it might be the last break we get <laughs> until fucking yeah. August. So um, that's until really... until you go to France and I go to New York. Oh man, I've got to look at that on the schedule. Oh good, you left a week empty. We probably keep <laughs> that week empty. Yeah, I know what originally we said we were going to do that week. We were going to review Carlos Carlos Ruiz Zafran. Um, oh my god, can the, we not do that? We're probably not going to do the that. Labyrinth of Spirits, which is eight hundred pages long. <laughs> I mean, I, I I have a thing. <laughs> so here's the problem. I absolutely love 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 the Shadow of the Wind and the Angels game, and I have not read um, Prisoner of Heaven yet. Um, did I, did I ever tell you about Layman? That you're still reading stuff of his? That I'm not purposely not reading stuff of his. Have I ever because, told you this? Yeah, you don't want to run out of books. Like you don't I don't want to, want to run out of Richard yeah. Layman books. And I, I feel like, I don't know what Zafan is doing as far as writing or if stuff's being translated. I know he's got a couple of other things, but I kind of feel like it's going to be a sad day when I read that book. Cause it's the end of that, uh, mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I know I went through that with Stephen King and the dark tower too. The final dark tower book was hard for me to get through like on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like that might be the same, the same way with labyrinth. So we'll see. Dude, but, I am yeah. not exaggerating. When I said 800 pages, the labyrinth of spirits is 805 pages long. God bless that guy. Like, see, like that doesn't bother me if I can read it like in my own time. Like if I said, hey, we need to read this for next week, that would raise like my anxiety level because that's a lot. 
um, yeah. on my own. I used to read books like that all the time, dude. I mean, some of my my favorite books, Swan Song, I think, nine hundred pages. Um, uh, shit, uh, The Stand from Stephen King. I think that clocks in at a thousand pages. I mean, there are a few books that I've put down that I've really enjoyed that were that length. So if a story's good, I have no problem with it being that long. Did I the, tell you about the first edition Swan Song I saw? No, I don't think you did. It's in a half price books in uh, Dallas, Texas. Up on a shelf, Swan Song first edition. Uh, I think it was like five hundred dollars. Ouch, Jesus! Yeah. I, I feel like, and I, I don't know because at that point, like I discovered him, and he had a bunch of. I was reading stuff in paperback. I mean, that would have been nineteen eighty nine, maybe eighty eight. Um, I think Swan Song might have been kind of his breakout book. I know the Wolf Sour did really well but that was a werewolf fighting nazis nice nice uh, which is a super fun book but it's literally a werewolf that's in the military it's like a captain that you know goes behind enemy <laughs> lines as a fucking werewolf and fucks up nazis um he actually retouched on that i don't know if he, he i think he wrote some short stories that were put into a novella or something in like some limited release a few years ago but uh, mccammon is definitely one of those guys i, I need to get you to read yeah. Uh, and then we need to get on this podcast. I have some questions. Oh, yeah. Let's just get on it. We're going to do that. Let's do that. We're going to do a lot this year. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting year. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, maintaining our reading capacity or expanding possibly a little bit. And then also um, not neglecting the interview side of things because um, it seems like the more we read or or distract ourselves with other things the less we try to get authors on and like you know man that we've had some amazing conversations so i think we should just uh i think we should just kind of focus on more things instead of trying to like do one thing well yep and we're gonna figure that out and you guys are gonna help us do that along the way so you know feel free to drop ideas i, I will tell you misty had a great idea that I'm looking forward to exploring. And I know she's a permanent co-host and has like that inside track, but you know, it's so do all you guys um, drop us an email, hit us up on social media. If you've got an idea, uh, the worst that's going to happen is we're just going to ignore it, um, yeah. which happens. <laughs> um, and if it's a really bad idea, we'll probably bring it up and um, mock you on the podcast. But other than that, really no physical harm is going to come to you. So what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, it's not like we're going to make you watch some weird tunnel video and then, like, your whole life's going to fall apart. I am going to, as soon as we're done with this, watch tunnel videos for about 15 minutes before I fall asleep watching them. (laughs) How could you, I mean, how could you resist? So join us next week while we uh, talk about The Sopranos. Um, Jesse's very uh, contentious Patreon pick for this year. Uh, And until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.